This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, bats and humans have one thing in common, and that's a love for death metal. Okay, that's a bit of a stretch. Bats use similar techniques with their voices as death metal singers. Dr. Cohen P.H. Elemans, an expert in sound communication and behavior at the University of South Denmark, joins us live all the way from Europe, tells us all the incredible things bats can do with their voices. Are you okay with... Cruise ships, well, golf carts, and it's Good News Tuesday. We take your calls and texts with a remarkable story you need to hear about a double lung transplant a year later and the accomplishments and how great that feels. This is the Shift Podcast. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Oh, Tell me something good, 877-399-9898. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, my doggo has gone into heat. Good news, though, they sell dog diapers on Amazon. They do, and they have a little tail hole in them. They're kind of cute. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty it's big, like, actually. It's for... like a cartoon. Yeah. Apparently, Great Dane diapers are pretty large. You could just probably use, like, human-sized diapers. Actually bigger, much bigger. No tail hole, buddy. You're missing the point. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's kind of an important part. Well, it is. And, you you know, I mean, you can't just put a hole in a diaper and expect it to be effective. You know, these are high-tech designed straight from Amazon. But they're here, and that's good. Phew. It's an, it's an adventure, this life owning a dog thing, isn't it? Good idea, Shane. <laughs> Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. What is your good news? Ms. Josie says, good news. A&W and Uber Eats are offering two-for-one deals on teen burgers and mama burgers. I can feel my arteries hardening in giddy anticipation. Ms. Josie. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate that. Um, Joyce is in Calgary. Hi, Joyce. Hi there. What's your good news? My great news, it's great news, not good news, is my son finally got his full membership into the um, IATSE group in Ontario for the union for film and movie productions. Amazing. He's been working at it for three years and he got his full membership yesterday. That's so exciting. Oh, congratulations to your son. Does your son do camera work? Do, uh, what kind of work does your son do? No, he is a costumer. He design, uh, designs yep. and works in the costume department and on yep. set too. Wonderful. I have a couple so, of friends that uh, that have done that too, and it's uh, it's quite amazing. Those costume people, the way they see things, it's totally different. Have you noticed that since your son got into the costuming, that the way they see stuff is totally different the way than you and I see it, Joyce? Oh yeah, and he's so talented. He went to York to the Toronto Film School and uh, got a degree in costume and, and fashion design and oh my gosh, the quality of the clothes that he makes and he the, he um, he worked on a CBC children's store uh, show and they were nominated, his costumes were nominated for Emmys this year so he's quite excited oh, wow. about that too. Oh, pretty fantastic. So, well done. Yeah, I'm, yeah, Pr- I'm very proud. Proud mama. I like the proud mama. Yes, you are. Joyce, drive safely, my friend. Joyce is north of Calgary, and her boy's got himself into uh, the film union 
moving forward in the career. 877-399-9898. What is your good news? It is Good News Tuesday here on The Shift. Uh, how about a story about guitar for good news? Let's start there. A guitar company in Kamloops. What's up, 610? Um, is hitting a high note after one of its creations won the title Acoustic Guitar of the Year. Riversong Guitars beat out industry giants around the world, walking away with the award for its design called the River Pacific. It's the first time a Canadian company has earned that honor in that category. The company's founder says the guitar's design includes an adjustable neck that helps create a better sound. That means so much to me. It means that... Um, through, through hard work, perseverance, um, innovation, small town Kamloops company can make a splash on the world stage. And this is, this is the world stage right here. Good for them. Since the award was announced, the company has been dealing with a surge of interest in its products and messages of congratulations. Uh, that's fantastic. What a cool story. Hard work coming out of Kamloops. Uh, Radio NL 610 is one of our channels that we broadcast on as well. 877-399-9898. It is Good News Tuesday-ish. And I sold my car. Actually, I sold all my cars. Um, It just so happened I put everything up for sale and thought, I'm just going to offload everything. I'll get something different. And nothing was selling, nothing was selling, and all of a sudden, poof, all three of them gone. Oh, boy. So I called my buddy and I'm like, hey, Neil, got an extra car lying around you don't need? Turns out he did. So I was able to buy that off him. So it's all good. The tires are crap. They're just, they're crappy, crappy tires. But without thinking, here's where I got lucky and this is my good news. When I sold my X5, the guy who was buying it, um, we had negotiated the deal. Everything was done. It was a good natured deal. Everything was easy. We found a, uh, a nice balance that worked for everybody. And the guy who was buying it said, well, I'm going to take it in and get new tires put on it. And I said to him, why are you going to get new tires put on it? These are good tires. And he said, well, you know, they're almost done, maybe a season, maybe two. But where we live, studded tires, we're more comfortable with them. So we'd like to put some studded tires on. So I said, well, if that's the case, can I have these ones back when you take them off? He's like, yeah, no problem. I'll just save them and we'll drop them off. So good, kind, good-hearted deal. After I picked up this new car, driving, it's also an X5, so they fit. Um, it's not the rims, just the rubber. But I was sliding all over the place today, and I was like, oh, man, these tires are terrible. I need new tires. And then it occurred to me, oh, wait. The kind gentleman who bought the other car is going to give me my old tires back. So I'll have to get them mounted. But I'm going to have the Blizzaks back. We'll have some winters. Good news. How often do you get to say a used car deal brings you good news? Fantastic. 877-399-9898. Let's go to White Rock in the uh, southern west coast there and say hi to Colin. Hi. How you doing? How you doing, Chief? Good, Colin. You've been busy, it seems, hey? Uh, yeah, you could say that for... It's been a yeah a long journey, but uh, you know things are things are going good for me now. Uh, I you know this time last year things weren't going too good with the uh, with the breathing and all that, but 
Yeah, I had uh, next Friday will be uh, the one year anniversary since the since the transplant. So double uh, lung transplant, eh? Pardon me. Is it double, double lung transplant? Yeah, they don't do singles anymore. They do doubles. No. At the same time? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a seven-hour operation. That's Everything wild. went like, smoothly. No uh, blood transfusion. Everything went good. Nothing, hey? So, like, yeah. what do you, like, do they, like, okay, hold your breath. Like, how do they do it? Like, what, how do you, they must hook you the up to an oxygen part? filter? The, the, after, in, when I was in uh, intensive care, when I was coming out, is that what you're talking about? Like well, no, I mean, I like when, when you're in surgery, I mean, they take your lungs away. They must just... Oh, you're on a... Uh, your you're on a... Um, a uh, uh, you're on a, a machine that actually keeps things going for you. That's right? crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's wild when you think yeah. about it, Colin. Oh, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what they can do nowadays with transplants. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. It just... Uh, you know, it just you know, get, getting a second chance at life, um, you can't get any greater gift than that. I mean, it's what uh, is one thing, Colin, that you do now that you notice that you can do, and and maybe you're present to it, whatever. Um, and I, my mind goes to simple things like maybe um, you know, walking up a flight of stairs, or maybe it's something mm-hmm. like you know, playing playing with the grandkids or the kids or whatever. And uh, and what is the the thing that really gets you when you go, holy crap, I'm here. I think you nailed it. Is just able to walk and do things like like before. There, just you take it for granted, right? Yeah. Uh, like going to the washroom or going up a flight of stairs. You're, you know, you're, you're fighting for oxygen. Now it's it's now I can do things. What you know, I'm going to the gym. Uh, I'm I'm basically getting back to a normal life, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the life I was living before was was tough. I mean, I was uh, three weeks of waiting for a donor. Uh, spent two weeks in, in uh, VGH, and then one week one week in uh, GF Strong. I had to go there because I was on high doses of uh, prednisone, which eats away your muscles and your bone. So I was there to keep up my strength and my uh, my energy and high protein and. Uh, it was wow. funny because I was Jeff Strong for one week, and then I was down at the gym working out with a physio, and a nurse comes running in there, and they say, "Colin, Colin, we got a, we got good news. We got a donor. We got a donor." And I just stood there, and I just looked at the wall, just a blank look, and then, the, you know, <laughs> excuse me, the, uh, the emotions kicked in. I bet. Uh, yeah. So. But it's, it's all good now. I mean, it was. I was in uh, recovery for about two weeks. They said I was probably one of the fastest ones uh, to get out of uh, hospital. And just walking out to hospital, uh, no wheelchair, just walked right out and just breathing that that air in for the first time was it was something else. But, something uh, else. It was something that I will. Uh, well, I'll never, for, you know, I'll honor and respect for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, the gift I was given, I was so happy and grateful uh, wow. for the family and the donor. And yeah, no kidding. I think this this year coming up, or next year coming up, I think I'll uh, I'll reach out. You know, but I don't know what uh, the donor. They might uh, come back, or 
you know, yeah. they can, you know, uh, say something. But if they don't, at least I'm going to send an email saying thank you and and uh, everything that they have done. Yeah. done for uh, it's me. just unbelievable. Well, good for you. Congratulations, Colin. I mean, what a journey. Holy cow. Oh. And plus, plus COVID going on through all that, too, is, uh, adds another layer of holy crap. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that you said it so well. Uh, what gets me when what you said there is I'm just, I'm going to honor this. And, um, you know, I think that the lesson that you teach me through this is that, you know, there are all kinds of gifts around us all the time. Yours is profound. Um, but there are gifts like this around us at all times. And I, I think that when we can take that second, we can honor them like you're describing that that's important. And that's, a, that's, that's where life gets good, brother. Like I said, and what the doctors and nurses do is just unbelievable. I saw, firsthand what they did uh what they do and uh yeah yeah it's uh yeah i'm so happy so yeah enjoying life now thank you very much for calling colin you bet thank you take care collins and white rock this is the shift podcast Uh, okay we're about to go to a place that i have to be honest I know nothing about. I do like the sounds that animals make. I think it's one of the most beautiful things. For me, it's birds. So maybe we'll get there in this conversation. The sounds that animals make, though, has Ryan O'Donnell very excited in how he set this up in this conversation because Ryan O'Donnell, our very, um, I was going to call you delicate. I don't know if that's the right word, but you are. You've got like a, you're a soft, you're a softer, gentler soul. Uh, and uh yeah you are like you are <laughs> yeah, not yeah, delicate yeah. like fragile yeah, this. Like, this. yeah but you're a softer soul but there's a side of ryan my friends that you may not know and you may find a little surprising and that side of ryan sounds this is gonna be loud sounds like this What the hell? Death Can't metal. Mind. That's death. How that's excited death. are you? You're excited <laughs> talk- to hear this on the radio. <laughs> There's a good reason why we're talking about death metal. Well, yes, that's death, the band, death, uh, doing a song called Leprosy. And obviously you can tell the vocals are pretty out there, pretty loud, yeah. pretty proud. In case yeah. you're wondering, that song is six minutes and 20 seconds long. Um, is excellent. It's a long time. Okay, now here's the connection. Death metal singers have an animal in the animal kingdom that make sounds in a similar way, and they're called bats. Think about that for a second. Strange, I know. Uh, Cohen Elements is a PhD, Department of Biology, Sound Communication and Behavior at University of Southern Denmark, where he joins us now. Is it Odense, Cohen? Is that where you are? It's hard to pronounce, even for locals. <laughs> oh, I, that's amazing. I mean, it is. There's a lot of there's a lot of new sounds there for me. Um, thank you for being here. Did I get that right? The sounds animal make is that the focus? Totally. Yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. Okay, so why bats? How did you get into this conversation about bats? And are you a heavy metal fan yourself? Like, how did this happen? So, so I used to be a heavy metal fan, definitely when I was a teenager. Um, so what we were interested in, how bats can make such a 
huge diversity of sounds. They make very high frequency sounds that we cannot even hear. They're far above our hearing threshold in terms mm-hmm. of frequency. And uh, we were actually interested in how bats do that. Um, so we, we researched that and we filmed basically the voice box of bats at very high frame rates, so up to a quarter million frames per second. And we oh. could visualize how their vocal folds basically move uh, when they produce these sounds. Now we found that they make basically these sounds with very high, or very thin membranes that extend from the vocal folds, and their normal vocal folds actually don't function really anymore. We couldn't get them to vibrate at all. Huh. And that's how they make these really high frequency sounds. So when and, you say the normal vocal cords don't function anymore, is that would be like vocal cords as we would hear them versus this spectrum that is way out of what we would hear, the echolocation, the radar, those kinds of things? Am I understanding correctly? Yeah, so the, bio, the echolocation and the biosonar is made by very thin membranes that sit on top of the vocal folds, basically. And they have been completely adapted to make these very high-frequency sounds. But that means also that they don't function anymore to make the, no, the lower-frequency sounds. And um, these high-frequency sounds are really good for echolocation. You can, you can find prey with it. You can, you can get information about the prey because the frequencies are so high. But if you want to communicate... You want a sound that is much lower frequency because you want to send it around in all directions. Because that's how you communicate with people you don't know where they are, right? Or bats in this case. But high frequency sounds are very directional. So you send them one way. You can think of it a little bit like a flashlight, right? If you have a light flashlight and you, and you point it one way, you won't see anything else that's not in the light beam. And it's a bit the same for these echolocation calls. So what we found instead is... It, that bats also make very low frequency sounds, at least it's low frequency for them. So it's like one kilohertz, three kilohertz. That still sounds like squeaky to us, by the way, but they're of course much smaller animals. So for them, it's very low. And we found out that they use their ventricular folds or false vocal folds to make those sounds. And that's a totally different set of structure, basically. So instead of using the vocal folds for the low frequencies, they adapted their false vocal folds for making low frequency sounds. And they're nice communication sounds because they're lower frequency and you can send them out in all directions. So then you can use them to talk to a person or a bat where you don't know where they are. Huh. That's fascinating. Okay, so I have a million questions here, Cohen. I, how, how how small is this camera to be able to see their vocal cords? Like, uh, why, why this? I mean, I think of those... Um, <laughs> the throat singer sounds that you yes. hear different cultures make, um, yeah. you know, those, is that where you're making the connection where it's, I guess I'm curious, what is the connection? I mean, I get the high frequency navigation focused type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, what, what is the connection with all of that? And, and how does it all come together to be so surprising and different than what we would know as, I don't know, the vocal range of that we hear as humans or that we, we experience. Yeah, so, so the false vocal folds are called false vocal folds because we don't use them in normal speech. And so, yeah, so in humans, we don't use them typically, and that's why they're called false. Um, we do use them, though, and we use them in extreme forms of singing. So, for example, death metal singing or there's other vocalists that are really talented. They can use their voice to these ext- in these extreme ways, and they typically do use their false vocal folds. And with the limited evidence we have, we see that they can control them and vibrate them. And then you get, for example, tooth and throat singers use them, death metal singers use them to make these very rough, harsh sounds. Um, and so, But that's a few examples we actually have. 
And then now in bets, we found that they use them also probably regularly to use these very, to make these very low frequency calls. And then together, that gives them a vocal range that's actually enormous. So, so humans have a vocal range of typically three to four octaves, actually more three, and then really good singers, three to four, and exceptional singers with an exceptional vocal range have five. And that's like Mariah Carey and Prince and David Bowie and Axl Rose. So very few people can do this. And it turned out that bats actually all can do this, but they use a different trick. They use two different structures to make low frequency and very high frequencies. Okay. Now, are is this exclusive to bats? Um, we don't or know. are there, like, because I think of birds, I think of other things. I mean, but as you mentioned about the echolocation and those kinds of frequencies, I'm not aware of anybody else that does it that way. Um, is is no. this an anomaly? So we, we don't know really at this point. Uh, so there's not so much work being done on the false vocal folds comparatively, but also not in humans. Um, so I'll be hoping up this opens up sort of a new avenue, right, to look into this again. Uh, in birds, it's very different. I'm happy you brought up birds because I actually work on birds mostly. Uh, they make sound completely differently. So they don't use vocal folds in their larynx, but they've evolved a completely new organ that sits very deep in the body. And they have only typically, they have two sets of vocal folds, but they're left and right. So they specialize also in different frequency ranges and they can even use them at the same time. So that's certainly mm -hmm. different. And they don't have these false vocal folds in their larynx because they don't even have vocal folds in their larynx. Okay, so when you look at all this, I mean, studying sounds in the animal kingdom then, um, I, I guess I go back to the whole dinosaur, crocodile, birds, <laughs> been around forever. Is this the same with bats then? Is that what we're seeing? Is that some of these, I mean, that's the only thing I can observe would be that the pattern is that these animals that have been around for an incredibly long time, longer than most, um, seem to be at such an elevated level of, um, you know, growth, development, evolution, whatever you want to put on it? Well, what's interesting, actually, that, that we, we don't actually know when in, the, when in time, basically, animals started to make sound for communication. We think it's about 100 million years ago, which is actually not so long ago. So animals crawled onto land, basically, the, 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 then amphibians evolved, and somewhere there, so early birds and reptiles, probably those animals evolved vocal folds on top of their larynx. We have no idea, and that's because the vocal folds don't fossilize at all. You, they leave no trace. So bones nicely fossilize, but all these soft tissues don't. So we think around 100, 200 million years ago, animals started making sound for communication, and then it exploded. So then you see that basically all the vertebrates, so all the animals like fish, uh, but mostly reptiles, birds, and so on, started to make sounds for communication. But it's actually not so long ago. So how do we do this as humans today? Like, I mean, are we are we that far behind? I'm feeling like no, maybe no, I'm no. feeling defensive as a person. I'm feeling like, like we're we're the only species that's not evolving here, Cohen. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> I don't know. No, but, well, if definitely not if you look at what what uh, vocalists and artists can do with their voice. It's absolutely stunning, right? And and um, and yeah, so there's <laughs> there's lots going on. One of the reasons why we look at all these animals is, so I'm totally fascinated by sound production, how animals make sound and how their brain controls sound, basically. And, and one, of the main one of the reasons is that I'm just interested in the biology, but the other reason is that we actually lack 
good animal models to study sound production in humans also. So it's, uh, we, can, we can easily stick endoscopes in people's throats and film what's going on. Um, and because you can ask a human to actually accept that or not, with animals that's much more difficult. But we, that's quickly where it stops. So we, there's a lot of things we cannot do in humans, right? So for, for example, if you want to film a really good singer, they're going to be very reluctant to accept this because their voice is their income. So they don't want to risk any damage there. Um, and so, so it also, so we need some animal model to study voice and, and uh, for example, the voice production, but also the control and maybe even like pathologies and so on. I'm curious, Cohen, the only thing that we know about you is that you're in Denmark. Yes. Um, we know that you uh, used to like heavy metal. Which Ryan O'Donnell has given us <laughs> some examples of, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you can use to like it. I think you can use to, um, listen to it often, but I think once you like it, you I mean, you, you like it. You I used, to, I used to love it actually. And I was, uh, and, and I haven't listened to it for many, many years. And now I listened to it last week a lot because we got so much media on this paper. Yeah. And I kind of enjoyed yeah. it and it was really great. <laughs> yeah. This is fantastic. But it's, it's a super, super nice, it's a super interesting form of music and singing, right? So um, Ryan has sent in, uh, giving me some songs here. So I'm going uh -huh. to, um, just for the sake of the spirit of Blink, because I want to get to know, this is get to know Cohen time. Um, okay, uh, Cohen's joining us from Denmark, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he's a fancy science a scientist guy. Okay, so this is, um, Ryan gave me symbolic. Death is the, um, is the artist. And I'm going to have to skip it here just a little bit to, uh, uh -huh. oh, that sounds good right there. Um Skip it ahead, Ryan says, to this part here. Double bass. So now, I, I, I mean this playfully. I, this is what I imagine. You're a PhD or a doctor, and you're sitting in your laboratory or your office, and then um, you're proposing to your colleagues. You're like, I think we need to study um, the sounds that bats make. Because they sound like this. <laughs> I can tell so, you when the other way around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so how do you get? But how do you get into this, Cohen? I mean, like, you, you, when you're choosing so, so your, we, your focus, your study, like, how do you get yeah, into? Yeah, so we. So this? I've been broadly interested in animals, how they produce sound, and bats are always fascinating. So a lot of people work on bats because they echolocate, right? So that, so they they can find prey in complete darkness. Also, the tooth whales can do this, so they can dive a thousand meters deep into the water and then in complete darkness find a fish. They perform better with their biosonars than any biosonar humans have been able to build. Well, that's released, I should say, by the army, <laughs> as far as we know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so they're, they're incredible. Um, and in Beth's case, we know about 80 years they echolocate, and nobody's actually figured out how they make the sound. So that was sort of really? a low-hanging fruit for me because that's where I'm really interested in. I thought, well, we have to figure this out. So what we did is we basically studied the larynx isolated. So you cannot put a big camera, that these very high-speed cameras are huge, you can't just stick them in a, in a throat of a bat and say, like, sing or make a sound. <laughs> so we, well, that doesn't work, right? So we have to, we have to, and we can't ask them either. So we, what we did instead is we waited until we, for example, had to put down an animal, we found a dead animal, and then kept those tissues and we studied those larynx is isolated and that's how we can get so much light in and get cameras on there and make it do it under a microscope right. so we can see that because it's tiny right it's a how small talking, is it the larynx of a bat is about six millimeters oh so it's small so it's tiny so the vocal wow. folds are about a millimeter across 
So would, would those whales be the most connected, like the similar in what they do with sonar as bats then? Or is there like if you had to connect it to the most similar other animal, what, what would that be? So the so, so only tooth whales and bats. Well, there's a few other examples, maybe, but those are the big groups that, that, that uh, use echolocation. The sound production is totally different. Um, in, in, uh, in bats, they use a normal larynx, tooth whales. Their larynx probably doesn't make any sound anymore. It became a very efficient plug. You have to think about it like this. If you go underwater as a whale, when you go deeper and deeper and deeper, all the air you have compresses very quickly, right? And, and um, at, a, at a few hundred meters, you have basically a few percent of your air volume left. So they evolved a totally new system, and they made sort of vocal folds in their nostrils. Um, and there they can control them very accurately, but they also can keep a very small amount of air highly pressurized in their skull, basically. So it's a totally different system to find a similar solution. So as a scientist, do you finish the day and just kind of go, whoa, <laughs> we're <laughs> as humans, like this, this is cool. Like the, all of these things that had to happen and then evolve and change over time. Like this it's is amazing, cool right? stuff yeah. when we're <laughs> sitting about, I want a Starbucks coffee today. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I'm one of the, one of the most, when you think about it at this time scale, like one of the things that really definitely captures me is that all these animals that have evolved communication were so taken so for granted, right? Like you picture a rainforest, it's full of noise. But it's actually not been around that long, and now it's, it's there, and now we're humans, and of course we're making lots of noise ourselves, and we're really pressing basically these animals in, in their communication ranges. It's, it's really, uh, for example, underwater with chipping noise and so on. We're really changing the environment these animals involved in and can communicate it. And that's communication is very essential, right? And, and focal communication is essential to many animals' sort of existence and survival. And we're really limiting the range over which they can communicate. Sounds like we take a lot for granted in the way we speak to each other. That's what I hear. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so true. Fascinating. Okay. So what, what do you do next, Cohen? I mean, you, did you continue? Is there more to be found in bats? What next time we chat with you, what are we going to be talking about? About whales. Whales? I'm quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, do you have so a favorite we're working, whale? We've, we've finished close to finishing a project where we worked on for about 10 years to figure out wow. how the tooth whales make sound. Really? Okay, cool. Well, yes. let's book it. I want to hear this. Let's get it done. Cool. I'm on. Oh, I love it. Okay. So uh, joining us from Southern Denmark, uh, our guest here is uh, connecting uh, live all the way across the interwebs, uh, Cohen P.H. Elements. Uh, I hope I got that right. PhD yes. and uh, Department of Biology, Sound Communication Behavior at University of Southern Denmark. Uh, bats and heavy metal coming together here <laughs> on The Shift. Uh, it's really nice to meet you, Cohen. Thank you. Thank you so much and have a good night. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with cruise ships? I don't think I'll ever do one, honestly. What? I don't I don't think I will. I maybe when I'm retired. It's yeah. just not the kind of vacation I want right now cuz I get the appeal I do. And I like the ocean. I like the water, and I, you know, I like the little pit stops. But um, I, I don't know. I just I don't I don't really right now at least in my stick right now I don't see the appeal. Okay. Also, COVID. I 
<laughs> ruined the, the, the oh the, no the, man it's not that was rough what was that i know it's way better now but that was no was what was that gut one that was like the the there's a bacteria princess. one like the like that the, went through your guts it was like a digestive oh, um, system was it c difficile uh, or whatever remember that one no oh, that, that was listeria? one and there was listeria man. what was it no listeria? oh that is it cruise ship give it a google right well the, i think it the, is um, listeria isn't it no, it wasn't, uh, no, it wasn't that Oh, one. yeah. Listeria no. is a serious infection of uh, people usually become ill after eating contaminated food. Nah. Cruise ship. <laughs> Just going to Google Live. <laughs> the power of Google. Google Live. Cruise uh, ship. Well, uh, I'll say that I... Um... Norovirus. Oh, yeah. Norovirus. That's it. Yeah. Norwalk. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my mom loves cruise ships. Absolutely loves them. Every time she talks to me, it's like she's not going on another cruise, even during COVID. Well, she was also in Florida where COVID didn't happen, really. But uh, no, it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Ron DeSantis. Yeah, but I haven't, uh, I've never been on a cruise ship. I have no desire to go on one right now as a passenger, uh, unless it was, there's, there's a few, like, niche ones there's like the yeah. the new wave cruise or something with bands like abc where you know they, mm. they they're on the cruise or like the star trek cruise you can go on a cruise with shatner although i don't want to go on a cruise with shatner no no not really i'll go patrick stewart maybe but not shatner tears for fears on a cruise yeah oh, that'd be amazing yeah. i think that's neat i think that's neat right like if there's a bands and a bunch yeah. of you know people in common like a club uh, swingers, whatever. Um, but the thing is, is that you, um, the thing about the cruises for me, aside from the fact that you're literally in a hotel that floats, you get to get off, you get to see some places. I've never been on one, so I'm being completely judgy with nothing to back it up. But um, the pools look beautiful. The halls and the dinners look amazing. The shows mm -hmm. look fantastic. You want to go dancing. There's nightclubs. Lie on the, the pool decks, one of many pool decks. I mean, they're beautiful. And how convenient would that be? They could be expensive with the tips and the drinks and the whatever, whatever. But um, sometimes they offer such crazy deals. Anyway, you get stupid, crazy deals. I just feel like, I don't know. I'd rather walk around an island with my feet in the sand yeah. day after day than walk around a pool deck that's made of steel. Yeah, I, I'm, with you. I look at. I'm with you on that one. You know, come to think of it now, there's a few maybe, like uh, an Alaskan cruise or a Norwegian cruise. Somewhere the that river goes, ones? Yeah, somewhere that goes to a, a different landscape than maybe just the ocean with the pool. The European river ones? That's what, those look really yeah. cool. Yeah. You know there's one that goes right. through Niagara now? There's a Great Lakes one. No. It's a Norwegian really? cruise line, yeah, and you go through the Welland Canal and through the Great Lakes. And off the falls? Really? Little dive no, at the end there Welling for Canal. some fun. Welling Canal. Avoids the Hold fall. on to your beer. We're going over. <laughs> Woo! A man who was enjoying a cruise had to be rescued from the roaring ocean after he fell overboard. Now, what's amazing about the story is that he was lost at sea for about 20 hours. Anybody seen Bob? Where's Bob? James Michael Grimes is 28 years old. He spent a harrowing 15 to 20 hours treading water. <laughs> what just touched my foot? That's what goes through my mind. <laughs> uh, before he was rescued the day before American Thanksgiving, Grimes spoke with several news outlets last week sharing details of his swim. Mr. Grimes had nothing left. He, he had no energy. He had nothing left to give. Uh, my 
my best guess is that he had between a minute and 30 seconds left uh, before we lost him completely. So uh, by the time I handed them the rescue sling, uh, which is a, a small device that offers a little bit of flotation, once I handed that to him, he just collapsed into it. <clears throat> uh, he didn't have, he, could, he, couldn't, he couldn't talk to me. I, I was able to get his name and, uh, and the cruise ship that he, that he had fallen off of. I know that when we got the report, the cruise ship said that we, we think it's possible that somebody fell off our boat. We don't know where. So okay. that made a that made a, a huge search area. That created this huge search area, plus the, the currents. Um, we were searching an area about the size of Rhode Island. Which I'm assuming is big for a little Large. tiny dot. Okay, so how did he fall in the water would be the question. Well, he doesn't know. He told ABC News that he and 18 other family members, 18? I don't even know 18 people, were on a cruise to Cozumel, Mexico, aboard the carnival ship Valor. They were having some drinks on the evening of November 23rd, celebrating his win of an onboard air guitar contest. <laughs> when he told his sister... <coughs> oh, my God. Wait, excuse me. When he told his sister he was going to the washroom... Moments after are unclear. He told CBS News that he didn't feel inebriated that night, but he has no recollection of falling into the water. When I came to regain consciousness, I was in the water with no boat in sight, he told CBS. At another point, Grimes said he began eating a stick that floated by, something that looked like bamboo. Nope. As the sun set that night, he spotted the lights from a passing tanker ship and began to swim towards that. He took off his socks and waved them over his head in an attempt to get the attention of the crew. Incredibly, that worked, and he was finally rescued. That is like horror movie-level experience. Coming soon to an HBO miniseries, 20 hours Oh, he'll sell that one. I feel like every wild night drunken story has the person usually say in the middle of it, well, I wasn't that drunk. I don't remember being that inebriated. I don't remember being that inebriated, but I somehow ended up in the ocean. (laughs) It's a good story, though. Yeah. There's actually video of him being rescued, and it's... When you hear the, the Coast Guard or the rescuer saying, like, he had nothing left... It's pretty bizarre because when they pull him up onto the deck, you can see it in his eyes. You can see that this man literally has no energy left, and he was probably seconds away from from it being over. It is quite a stunning video, and mm-hmm. the fact that it all began with an air guitar contest on a cruise ship is just, well, that's why it's on Are You Okay? <laughs> I imagine that when they got him out of the sling and they put him on the deck, they're like, how you doing, man? And then he did a little air guitar riff. <laughs> That's what it'll be like in the movie. Are you okay with golf carts? Yes. Yeah, golf carts are awesome. They're like, I I won't, I've never played a game of golf without a golf cart because it's just like the bonus. Because if you have a bad game, it's kind of like having a go-kart race. So that's why golf is fun. Uh, And uh, yeah, I I enjoy the golf carts. I do. Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, first cruise ships, no golf cars. I have to wonder if my mom wrote this script. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> if the next one is, is, are you okay with Rod Stewart? Then I know for sure, 100%. Um, Scrolls down the page just to be sure. Nope. I'm not okay with Rod Stewart, by the way. That was like my childhood train in the minivan. Um, but yeah, 
The biggest thing about the golf carts is where my mom's from. Everyone drives the golf carts everywhere. Oh. They drive them. There's got little golf cart lanes. And uh, I remember the first time I had to, late at night, she's like, just take the old golf cart out. Felt really weird. I was driving down the road in Do you wear a seat golf belt? cart. No. It's no. Florida. Yeah. No. Does it have a gun rack? No, my mom's doesn't. Mom's a tried and true blue blooded American. Blue, 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 super blue. So it's probably electric. <laughs> well, there is no better way to get across the greens on a golf course than a golf cart. But BK nailed it. There's one state where there's probably more golf carts than people. And that is where BK's mom lives, Florida. What does it mean to be from Florida? <laughs> Florida. Straight drip. The police chief in Tampa has resigned after her golf cart got her into an awful lot of trouble. Please enjoy the most awkward situation ever captured on police body cam. Also new and new, Tampa Police Chief Mary O'Connor has had to resign after trying to use her badge to get out of a traffic ticket. The deputy who pulled her over let her go with no citation after an exchange that was captured on his body cam video. Take a look. Stops you because you're driving tag or uh, unregistered vehicle with no tag on it on the roadway. Is your camera on? It is. I'm the police chief in Tampa. Oh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I'm hoping that you'll just let us go tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll say, yeah. Uh, now you say I, I, you look familiar, so. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I do. Good evening. Not good. Not a good look there. O'Connor was a passenger in a golf cart last month when a deputy stopped the two for not having tags. She was placed on leave, but today she, the Tampa mayor, actually accepted her resignation after an internal affairs investigation. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Oh, man. Oh, I love it so much. thought I recognized you. Uh, that's from WPLG 10 Local. The internal review found O'Connor violated regulations on standards of conduct and abusive position or identification. Last week, O'Connor issued a statement. In hindsight, I realize how my handling of this matter could have been viewed, could have been viewed as, viewed as inappropriate. But that was certainly not my intent, she said. According to the National Golf Foundation, there is 1,050 golf courses in Florida. And there are over 13,000 crashes or accidents in Florida every year. On golf carts. On golf carts. Um, I love that. This <laughs> <laughs> police chief had to get was fired because she was like illegally driving a golf cart on a road. It's it, mm. it doesn't get much more Florida than that. And mm. as I have mentioned a couple of times, I'm putting together for the end of the year a very special Florida summary. Are you okay? And I can say oh, nice. happily that this will be included in that. In one that of those summary. stories. It's one of my favorites. Are you okay with sticking your tongue to a pole? Have you ever really thought about it, looked at it and gone, I wonder what that's like. I kind of want to try. Yeah, well... I mean, it's like the thing that, like in Christmas Story, I double dog, I triple dog Daria to do it. I can't think of a single kid that I went to school with that actually stuck their tongue to like a cold metal pole. Like I, I, I can't think of one kid. And that's just because 
like yeah yeah oh he did it but then just the guy just sounds terrible I, I, I just don't ever ever want to experience that i enjoy watching it happen in classic christmas movies but i don't think i'm ever gonna do that mm-hmm. that scene shane do you know where that was shot that scene in a christmas story well it's gonna be shot in one of two places mm-hmm. <laughs> probably too warm in florida at your mom's house yeah gonna guess it was somewhere in niagara it was shot in St. Catharines, you know, oh, at that little elementary that. school just over the QEW, Niagara Street. Uh, yeah. yeah, just on the other side of the QEW, on the downtown side of the QEW, that the elementary school that's right on Niagara really? Street is the school. Yes, really? yes. They wanted the specific design of that school, so they shot in St. Catharines. Had no idea. Thank you very much. Well, A Christmas Story, as BK's talking about, a classic Christmas movie, has that scene that was shot in St. Catharines where you should not stick your tongue to a cold pole because it might get stuck. Well, go on, smartass and do it. I'm going, I'm going. Flick's spine stiffened, his lips curled in a defiant sneer. There was no going back now. This is nuts. Well, in the past two weeks, six curious kids at a Minnesota elementary school ignored warnings from the movie and did it anyway. Oh, no. As you can imagine, the kids freaked out when they realized their tongues were stuck. The Star Tribune, a local paper, caught up with the staff of the school to hear what the heck happened. What the hell? You know how you see the movie and the kid is screaming and crying and stuck? That's kind of what it looks like here. They're trying to talk and cry and scream at the same time because it kind of hurts. Says Jen Wilson, principal of Emmett D. Williams Elementary School. The story continues. Some of the kids ripped the tongues, their tongues away themselves. Ah, uh, yikes. No, no. That made me feel uncomfortable. Ow. One kid even returned to the pole the next day to search for remains of the tongue. The others stayed put until an adult brought them warm water. The principal sent an email to the teachers in which she asked them to tell their students about the age-old pitfall. The adults who supervise recess and usher students onto buses after school have taken precautions to help any more hapless experimenters carrying bottles of warm water whenever the kids are outside. That is just... These kids clearly have not seen this movie. I think, honestly, this should be a part of general education for all children. This should Um, be in the curriculum. It it really should be because that scene alone was enough for me to know as a kid Never stick your tongue to a pole. I can guarantee you that the six kids that did that had never seen a Christmas story. Can't fix stupid. Yeah, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's made me feel really quick, kind of queasy. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.